Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. Now, the ministry of Jesus was a ministry that was marked by transformations and was marked by change. Lives were transformed. Everyone that Jesus encountered could not leave Jesus the same way. It just, it was impossible. It was a trademark of his ministry. If you encounter Jesus, you will go away a different person. Just to give you an example, what he would do, he basically, Jesus came to earth to bring kingdom principles from heaven to earth, right? To give you one example, the man, the rich young ruler, is one of those examples. When he met Jesus, he was on his merry way, and he just wanted to follow Jesus. But you know what? He was having a hard time with life and circumstances. And Jesus just looked at him and said, hey, here's what you need to do. You know all the money that you got? All the fun things that you're doing? I want you to leave all of those behind. Take all your money and give it to the poor. And then follow me. I can just see the rich young ruler. He would say, well, Jesus... Um, can I phone a friend first? I need to call my, my uh, you know, my, my uh, financial advisor. <laughs> I need to know, like, are my stocks doing okay? You know, can I just, you know, sell and just maybe, like, leave the stocks? You know, have I got any, uh, any money, any stashed away money that I can keep for myself? You know, um, uh, any bitcoins? <laughs> can I keep some bitcoins, Jesus? I mean, like... Get, there was none of that. Jesus was inequivocal in his uh, invitation to this man. He took a principle of the kingdom and said, here you go. If you want to follow me, you got to leave all that stuff behind and follow me. In other words, just do it, right? Kingdom principles are typically diametrically opposed to human principles. We either embrace them and walk in those principles, or we just walk away. The rich, rich young ruler walked away, unfortunately. Now, we're talking about consecration today because I know that God's desire for us is for transformation and change this deep inside. We're talking about consecration because we need transformation. And this is not transformation to condemn us. It's not transformation to, to, to make us feel like we are lacking, but it's transformation that should spur us on to godly consecrated living for the glory of God and not to follow our desires, but to embrace kingdom principles and kingdom desires. That's why transformation is necessary. It's so that we can shift our focus and change our baseline from what we have been used to doing to now God ordering and commending for us to do. In Isaiah 55 is the uh, overall series that we have been 
uh, doing, you know, we don't see eye to eye with God. And Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher and than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, last week, Jim <clears throat> shared about the importance of being aligned with God's perspective, to be aligned with the Word of God, because if we are lacking the alignment, right, we, there's a lot of things that are not just going to go fall in the right place. When we are aligned with God, we see the way he sees, we understand the principles of the Word of God because we are being fed by the very principles that Jesus walked when he was on the earth. And so it's important to be aligned with him. Now, I want to take a familiar scripture today to all of us, Romans chapter 12, and I want to talk about one verse in Romans 12, and it's verse 1. And it says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. Now, biblical consecration I think we all understand, I think by now, that it involves personal sacrifice. But it is not just a walk of pain and sorrow and depressed. Oh, I got to consecrate myself. I got to let go of all this stuff. You mean like I got to let go of all my money? I got to go sell all. I, that's not what we're talking about, right? Now, the Lord may ask you to, to take some very drastic steps. That's between you and him. But as far as we are concerned, what God is looking in each and every one of us is a partner in the process of transformation. The question is, will you be a partner? Will I be a partner with God? Will you be a partner? Will I be a partner with him? Now, in this verse in Romans 12 and verse 1, Paul makes a series of appeals. In fact, his appeal is a very strong appeal about the need of consecration. And so I want to just look at a couple of things here. First of all, when I look at this verse, I see when Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's a very serious appeal. He's not just saying, hey, if you could please, would you, would you like to? No, he is saying, I urge you. I urge you. This is serious business. He is urging us, but he's also reminding us that we're doing this in view of God's mercy. And so if I can take that verse and restructure it and rephrase it, I think Paul is saying this. Hey, guys, because God has been so merciful with us, God has been so good to us, all we got to do is just Follow him. I urge you. I urge you guys. Let's do this. Let's not sit back. Let's not wait for something great to happen. And, and somehow we are going to see a lightning in the sky. And, and, and that's going to change us. No. I urge you. I mean, I'm telling you right now. Because God has been so good to us. Because God has been so good to you, brother. Because God has been so good to you, sister. I urge you. 
You know what I see here? I also see camaraderie because we're all in the same boat. Paul wasn't saying, well, I urge some of you brothers. You know, I urge some of you sisters, you know, the ones that are more spiritual, if you know the Torah and you know how to, if you know how to read chapter 55 of Isaiah, open it up and just tell, that's not what he is saying. He is saying, hey, you know what? We're all in this together. Every brother, every sister, every man, every woman, every child, everyone, we are called, we are urged to move forward. But there's also another thing that I see in this, another appeal. And it's a sacrificial appeal. It's a sacrificial appeal. It says in verse, in the same verse, verse 1, it says, To offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Offer your body as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Offer your body. It's a personal it's a sacrificial, it's a sacrificial appeal. This is what you would call the act of consecration, friends. An appeal alone is not enough, right? It's not enough just to say you need to follow Christ. You actually have to do it. You actually have to step into it. You have to take a step. I can't offer you to God. I have to offer me to God. Offer your bodies. As you read it, you need to say, I need to offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. A personal sacrifice. This speaks to me that it is a voluntary offer. It's voluntary. It, we're not being forced into the process. You know what? Paul, Jesus, God is not grabbing us by the scruff of the neck and saying, you absolutely have to do it. Do it. You offer your body right now or you're in trouble. You're going to go to hell unless you offer your body. That's, it, you don't see that in the text. Voluntarily offering our bodies. He's gentle. He is waiting for your yes and my yes. He, God conquers us with his love, not with condemnation. He conquers us because he knows the good, the benefit that exists when we decide to offer ourselves to God. And we want to talk about benefits in a minute. It's also a personal sacrifice because Paul is saying, your bodies. We're offering ourselves to God. We're offering our lives to God. We offer our commitment to God. We offer our devotion to God. We love him. He loves us. I can't offer you again. I can only offer me. I can only offer who I am to God. You know, we, we taught our children that God does not have any grandchildren. He only has children. In other words, your commitment to God is your commitment to God. You can't follow God on the strength of what your parents or your grandparents 
have taught you, at some point, you're going to have to make a decision and say, I am going to stand on this ground to follow my Jesus because I love him. Not because my parents love him, because I am committed to him. Not because my parents are committed to him. It's because I love him. I love him. And I am committed. I am going to follow him. I'm going to offer my body. Oh, man, that's my body? Yeah. That's a price involved. Because God gives us so much. We can't just look for the benefits without understanding the price that is involved in all of that. And yet God is gentle, and he is waiting for our yes, and he's waiting for us to partner with him. He's not forcing himself on any of us. It's also a living sacrifice. It says, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You know, when I read the Old Testament and I look at the sacrificial system and how God built a whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament. You read the book of Exodus and you look at the meticulous attention that God gave to the smallest of details in that sacrificial offer. I mean, if you have committed a sin, if you have done anything, if you're... There, there's so many different types of, um, of uh, uh, exceptions to what needed to happen in order to bring a sacrificial animal before God, right? And so it was a lamb without spot or wrinkle. Or if it wasn't a lamb, it was two turtle doves. And if it wasn't that, it was like flower, choice flower. I mean, there was something very detailed, very intentional about the sacrificial system. In the Old Testament. Now, God desires the same from us. I want to ask you a question or a series of questions today. What areas of your life do you need to offer to God? I want you to think about that. What hinders our growth as believers? What hinders your growth? Think about it. What sorrow or pain? Have you been caring for so long that they have actually become weights on your heart that are holding you back? And you're kind of like a, a man in prison with ball and chain. You're just like carrying this thing, but you really have no freedom. What disappointments have you not let go of? What unforgiveness is dragging you down and bringing to surface all of these emotions that you really don't know how to deal with? Are there doubts? Is there unbelief, confusion, shame about God's ways? I appreciated what Michael shared as he opened this morning that, you know what? Even the Great John the Baptist had doubts about Jesus. We all go through seasons in our lives 
the doubts and the fears and the disappointments and disillusionments and all of the things that you may experience will have their best on you. Can I tell you something? You're not alone. You're not alone. God understands, he sees, he knows. You're not alone. But what you need to do, if we can put that verse up again, is to sacrifice yourself. It's a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. But you don't know, you don't know me. I'm not, I'm not living holy. I'm not pleasing to God so many times. I, I just I don't please him. I'm having a hard time following Jesus. You don't understand. I do. Because sometimes I have those doubts. And I have those difficulties. And if anybody can stand here and say, I never have any difficulties. I just think, I, I, I hear a little thing that you say in my head, liar, liar, pants on fire. I, I don't know if that applies to anybody. I'm just, I'm just saying. We all go through the lows. But God is not waiting for us in the lows. He is lifting us up out of the low times so that we can rise with him. There is victory on the other side of those disappointments. The fact of the matter is that you need to decide for you that I am going to follow Jesus no matter what. And I am going to give him my life. And I am going to consecrate myself. Oh, but you don't know the difficulties that I go through. I all these struggles, all these thoughts that I go through. <clears throat> I know, I understand. I really do. God understands. He really does. But at the same time, you cannot stay there. If I can use an Old Testament place, if you know, you know, you can't stay on low the bar. That's where Mephibosheth, with all of the the struggles and the difficulties that he had. You know, spiritually, sometimes we confine ourselves to places where there is no growth. And God is trying to lift us up and call us at the table like David did Mephibosheth and say, look at the spread I have before you. Come on, come and eat, come and eat. But we get satisfied with the crumbs in Lodabar. We get satisfied with water that's not really like tap water, lots of chlorine in it. Now God wants to give you purified water. He wants to give us his best. Whatever it is that those struggles might be in your life, when you are healed of those areas, guess who's going to benefit When you offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, guess who will benefit? You will benefit. Your spouse will benefit. Your kids will benefit. Your friends will benefit. Your co-workers will benefit. What? You say, what? 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 Because you'll be a better person, a better you, a better me, healthier, stronger, better understanding. God wants us healed. We will not be cranky and grumpy sacrifices. We're going to be holy and pleasing 
to God and to those around us. Amen? The last thing that I see in this passage is that it's a sensible appeal. It's a sensible appeal. Look at what it says. It says, this is your true and proper worship. It's sensible. In other words, it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense to offer ourselves to God. He said, what are you saying? Now, one of the goals of consecration is to offer ourselves to God, right? We said that. So that our lives, here it is, will become a reflection of Jesus to those around us. Why do I want to be so consecrated? Why do I want to have like this attitude where I walk and I know who I am and, and, and Christ lives in me and I am self-confident and I love Jesus? Well, you can't have that just for you. I can't have just that all for me. There is a purpose behind the process. And the purpose behind the process is so that we can become witnesses so that we can reflect the light of Jesus. Now, I love the word true in this portion of the verse because true actually is a word logican, which, from which we get the word logical. It's logical. That's why it's a sensible appeal. It makes sense. It's logical. And you know what? Offering our lives to God is the most logical, the most reasonable thing that each and every one of us can do, understanding what the Word of God is calling us to. It makes sense. It makes sense. Our lives then become an expression of worship. It's an expression of worship to God. Not because we are better than people and we're going to lord it over them. And when you go to work and you look at all your friends that are unsaved, you look at them and you say, well, I'm, I'm better than you. It's not about condemning anybody. It's not about shaming anyone. But it's about letting the light of God reflect to a lost and dying world. We don't condemn. We don't reject. We just let the light of Jesus shine through us. We become an example of true, proper worship that makes perfect sense. You know, we've been talking about <clears throat> consecration. I, I want to I, I add this portion. Because, you know, what? we can look at consecration and say, well, what, what's the point of all that? I mean, what, what am I going to get out of this? A lot. So I just chose quickly a couple of things that I want to highlight. Number one if we understand the need for consecration and we embrace consecration and we step into consecration with God, intimacy with God will be the result. Now look at Psalm 151. Psalm 151 and verses 1 and 2, the first part of 2 says, Who may worship in your sanctuary? Lord, who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. And everybody said, ouch. Right? You see, blameless here, if we understand scriptures, is not exactly sinless. Blameless is not Perfect. In fact, the word for blameless here is the word for integrity. Do you know what integrity is? 
Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking. That's integrity. That's how God is asking us to live. He's not saying, who may come into my presence? Those who are perfect. No, that's not what he's saying. It's those who aspire to live a life of integrity. They will do what is right even when no one is looking. A child of God who desires to please the Father understands this, that intimacy is a privilege that he gives us. Come on. It's a privilege that we have to be intimate with the Father. It's a privilege. And when we understand that that is a privilege, we will do everything that we can in our power to live a life of integrity. Why? Because intimacy is a doorway to his presence. And I want his presence. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter in your presence on your holy hill? That is an invitation into the very chambers of God, into his presence. Why is it so beautiful when we worship in the morning? And it's so beautiful for some. And then you look around and you're saying, I just don't feel it. How is your commitment? How is your commitment to God? Do you come here to partner with him, to participate? Or are you looking around and say, okay, worship team, feed me. Family updates, girl, just tell me the right stuff I want to hear. Whoever is closing, opening, give me my stuff. Hey, preacher, man, just give me my three points so that I can go home. I even gave you like a perfect three points. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, it's like, it's like everything rhymes. I mean, I put some effort into this one today. God wants our commitment because intimacy, intimacy is a doorway into his presence. We're also, here's another blessing that we get from Consecration. We are chosen by God. Wow. Look at 1 Peter 2. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you're a chosen person. You are chosen. You are royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Wow. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. That's why Paul was saying in view of God's mercy, do you understand the privilege that we have because of God's mercies? Take a picture of that. Write it down. Do something. Read this again and again and again and pray into that. Because you know what? We have a privilege to be God's people. He has extended mercy to us. Why did he extend mercy to us? Because we deserve death. We deserved punishment. 
We were the ones that should have died on the cross. He took our place. And so he gives us this privilege to be chosen of God. We are chosen people. Why are we chosen? To show the goodness of God. That's why we are chosen. Not to boast about our kingdom identity. Not to go around saying, look at me. I got Jesus on my side. Look at my Bible. It's bigger than yours. It is bigger than yours. <laughs> our identity must be secure in God so that when people come with arguments or the enemy attacks you with the pleasures of this world, it doesn't matter what it is. Nothing will ever stand between me and my Jesus. I don't care what it is. I don't care how much money you throw at me. It's not, it's not going to matter. I don't care how much fortune, how much prestige I can get in this life. It doesn't matter. When we are dead to our sin, to ourselves, then all else does not matter. Because God is all. The third thing about consecration is that we are used of God. That's a blessing. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. It says this. This is such a powerful verse. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Isn't that powerful, guys? Come on, that's the word of God. We are chosen by God to be used for him, for his glory. Look at Ephesians 2. In verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Don't you want to be an instrument that makes glorious music to God? Don't you want to be a vessel of honor? I do. I want to be used of God. I want you to be used of God. In order to do that, we embrace consecration. Because you know what? God is going to take your life and use it for his glory. And he's going to make you a vessel that is not just for common use, but is for special purpose. Useful to the master. Prepared to do some incredible good work. One more thing. One more benefit. We become fruitful for God. Fruitful for God. Ephesians 5 and verse 8 says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. For you were once darkness. Not in darkness, you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Mm. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Like, I mean, I could just see Paul here say, like, telling these Ephesians, for the love of God, friends, find out what pleases the Lord. 
Come on. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. You see, healthy trees will produce what? Healthy, sweet, juicy fruit. There's nothing like taking a bite into an apple. They're just like, you bite into it and it's like, it's just, you're dripping the juice from that apple. It's just like, wow. I want my life to be like that. When people come around me and they engage with me, I want them to feel the sweetness of Jesus. I want them to know that God is good, not that I am good, but that God is good in me and through me, in you and through you. Healthy trees produce healthy fruits. That's called Christian maturity. And if you stick around prime, Jim will be very happy to tell you that the next semester we're going to introduce none other than what, Jim? Maturity. Maturity. Our engagement to character. God has got to do a work in all of us. A mature and fruitful believer influences people around him, around her, rather than being influenced. We bless and we challenge people to live according to the principles, to the alignment of God's word and not our own thoughts and mindset. You know, there's a story of Queen Mary who loved to go to Scotland. We were talking about Scotland this morning. We were looking at a video. She loved to go to Scotland. And in fact, she made it a practice to visit Scotland every year. And she was so loved by the people that she often would just kind of like wander off on her own without security, just doing her thing. And one day, as she was wandering off in this village in Scotland, she veered far away, and suddenly there were like dark clouds that covered the sky, and rain was coming. And if you know Scotland, I mean, it probably rains eight, nine out of ten times, right? <clears throat> and, uh, and so she went to a house nearby, knocked at the door. This lady opened the door and said, oh, could I just borrow one of your umbrellas? And the lady said, Certainly. She went, and she had two umbrellas, one very nice-looking umbrella. The other one was tattered, cut. It just did not look good, did not open right. The ribs were broken. And so she took that umbrella and said, thank you, and walked away. She said, I promise I will bring it back to you. Okay. The next day, there was another knock at that same door. When the woman opened the door, she was greeted by this royal guard holding this old, tattered umbrella. The queen sent me, he said. She asked me to thank you for loaning her your umbrella. The woman did not recognize her as the queen. For a moment, she was stunned. And then she burst into tears, and she said, oh, what an opportunity I missed. I failed to give the queen 
my best umbrella. I wonder how many times we have been in conditions and situations where God has demanded and is required of us to look at Romans 1, 12, 1 and say, I want you to offer yourself to me. And instead, we offered him a second best offer. Whether that was a second best commitment or maybe a withheld sacrifice, I'm just going to give you this much, God. I'm going to give you just this portion of my heart, not all of it. I'm only going to give you what's convenient to me. I, God, you know, I, 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 I don't want to give my money. I just want to go spend it on my own pleasures. I, I don't want to give you my commitment. I, I just want to do my stuff. Now, you may not be saying that to God verbally like that, but you actually are saying it when you act that way. She didn't tell the queen, oh, I'm not going to give her my good umbrella. I'm going to give her this piece of crap. That's what she gave him. An old, beat-up, tattered umbrella. It probably covered her, but it she could have done better knowing that it was for the use of the queen. God offered his very best for you and me. Do we not owe him our best? What is your answer? What is my answer? Are you willing to let go of all those hindrances, all those things that are holding us back? Remember, consecration is a process. Work with God. Agree with God. Give him your best. He will give us his best. I truly, truly, honestly believe this. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc Click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you, and thank you again for watching this week's message.